I couldn't hold it. It's like, I just felt like I was a spectator on the side of the hill, just yelling, go Ryan, go Ryan, you know, and, and waking up my daughter who was, you know, like asleep, but it was, it's just so exciting. So exciting. Welcome to the Vermont Conversation. I'm David Goodman. In a Winter Olympics filled with iconic moments, one was especially poignant. Vermont skier Ryan Cochran Siegel, after stunning the ski world by roaring down the mountain to a second-place finish in the Super G, standing at the bottom of the mountain, FaceTiming with his mother, Barbara Ann Cochran. The two were laughing and crying. Ryan had won his Olympic silver medal almost exactly 50 years after his mother won an Olympic gold medal in slalom at the 1972 Winter Olympics in Sapporo, Japan. Ryan Cochran Siegel's feat marks a new chapter in the story of the famous skiing Cochrans, the family behind Cochran Ski Area, which opened in Richmond, Vermont in 1961. Barbara Ann Cochran, who is now 71, watched her son's silver medal run streaming on her computer at her home in Starksboro, Vermont. In the hours that follow, the publicity-shy mother and grandmother has appeared alongside her son on the Today Show, among other media. Ryan is one of Barbara Ann's two children, and she has two grandchildren by her daughter Kate, one of whom, four-year-old Calder, jumped in her lap during her Today Show interview. Barbara Ann Cochran has had a diverse career since she retired from ski racing at age 23. She wrote ski columns for the Washington Post, has had a long-running business in performance coaching, and has run the ski school at Cochran's for the past 40 years. She recently gave notice that she was retiring from the ski school. I spoke to Barbara Ann Cochran less than 24 hours after Ryan's run. I began by asking her what she said to her son as the two were FaceTiming right after his Olympic silver medal run. Uh, you know, it's it's such a blur. It's like, I, I, I'm I not even sure what I said. I think I, I told him how proud I was of him and congratulations and, and, uh, and I, I, I'm sure I told him, I said, I'm crying. I can't stop crying. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you know, I was so excited and, and just, it was just amazing. I was, I was excited. I was nervous. I, I just felt like I had just a whole slew of emotions going on. And, and uh, no, it's just, I mean, I haven't stopped smiling. I just have not stopped smiling. Where were you watching him race? Oh, <laughs> well, <laughs> It was like, because NBC, you know, nobody could go to China and I wouldn't have gone to China anyways, too far, way too far away. But, um, but it was the first night because Saturday night was supposed to be his first race and that race got postponed to Sunday night. So Sunday night and, and Saturday night, we had a watch party all scheduled for Cochrane ski area. It was great. And then it kept getting postponed. And then Sunday night, I thought, okay, so I can do my usual. Usually when I try and live stream him and watch him, I'm in bed. So (laughs) no watch party. (laughs) Yeah, this is, yeah. But NBC wanted to know like where the watch party was. And, and uh, I was going, okay, well, I'm planning on being in bed um, and, they, they wanted me to 
you know, like pan the room with, with the other people in it. And I was going, no, there's not going to be anybody else in it. It's just going to be me. And uh, I said, I was planning on being in my pajamas, but I, I'll be dressed and, and I'll be doing it from my bed. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's what happened. Um, and then last night, last night, they didn't say anything. They didn't, they didn't want to, to um, be able to watch me watching him. And I thought, oh, this is great. You know, it's like I can just I can go to bed. I can I turned on my my alarm so that if I did fall asleep, that I would wake up in time to watch it. And then um, and then I was in my pajamas and I was in bed and I had my laptop on my on, on my lap and and I was watching it. The lights were out. It was just just me and me and my laptop. And and uh Everybody else was asleep in the house. My my daughter and my two grandchildren, and they're very young, so they should have been asleep. And uh, and then, uh, you know, I was watching him, and I knew that when he went, he, he looked good right out of the start. And I I was waiting for the first split to see if it was going to be green or red. And it came across, it was like, I think it was 0.09 green that it was he was ahead of the fastest gear that had gone so far and uh the fastest gear being the um Meyer who who actually won the race and uh so I was really excited that he was ahead of him at that point and uh then I couldn't hold it it's like I started you know it's like I just felt like I was a spectator on the side of the hill just yelling go go Ryan you know and and uh and waking up my daughter who was you know like asleep and um but it was it's just so exciting so exciting could you I mean privately not what you said to him did you think that it was he would medal in this Olympics I didn't know if he would medal but what I did know it was that he was capable of meddling you know, I, I didn't know that he would do it. And I wondered too, like after his injury last year, I was a little um, like, I thought that he might not medal. So let's take us back a year. Ryan yeah. skis and I believe won a World Cup race in Italy. Yes, and... he did. He, he was second and then, then like a very short time later, he, he won a Super G over there. He wins a World Cup Super G. He's skiing the best he has ever skied. And then he crashes at the top speed into the nets and breaks his neck. Yeah. So <clears throat> the first miracle is that he's even walking. Yeah. Um, and what did you think at that moment uh, when you learned he had broken his neck? Well, I mean, I watched him, I was live streaming his race. So I watched him fall and I was just, I was beside myself. I, I just, you know, but I was watching for movement to see, you know, if he was okay. And he seemed like he was okay. He was kind of checking out his arm and, you know, feeling his shoulder and so, and, and getting up and moving around. And, um, and so my, sister texted me right away and said he's okay he's okay he's okay and and other people were texting me saying he's okay and then um there was um like a friend 
had another friend who could speak German and she was listening to the German announcers saying, you know, they're they're airlifting him to the hospital um, to check out his, his arm, his shoulder and his head. I think it was, they didn't realize at first that, that he had um, broken his neck Mm. and, but, but his attitude was incredible to me. It was like, he was saying, you know, mom, he said, from that injury above my, my head is fine. And the injury below my, my body's fine. So I'm okay. It's like, you know, it, to him, that was a better injury to get than, than it was a ligament or that ligaments will take a long time to heal, you mm. know, and it was just a minor neck break. So he felt like, like it wasn't that big a deal. Well, but I just, a minor it, neck break is a bit of an oxymoron. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, uh, did you think he could come back from that? I did. I thought it would take him more time. I thought, you know, he hurt his knee, I think when he was 20. And I really felt like from that injury that um, it took him about six years before he got back to where he was before he actually got injured with that. And so when he was injured this time, I really felt like even just the trauma of crashing into the fence um, at, at that speed. And I'm not, he, he said he really thinks that Kitzbühel's the strife has, um, he hasn't conquered the strife yet. He wants to, to go be able to go back and, and conquer this strife. Cause he said, that's I the think course. The, the strife has actually conquered me so far that, but you know, like I, I, to me, when he stood at the, the start of Kitzbühel this year and he went out of the start, he raced the course and he went through the finish. That was a huge win in my part, uh, mm. from my perspective. I just felt like it was amazing that that you know after after injuring yourself like that 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 he was back at it this year. So I don't know if you heard at the start of his race, but the NBC announcers Ted Ligety, Lindsey Vaughn were kind of preparing the audience for disappointment. They were really? saying that, you know, he really didn't have good practice runs. He's coming back from injury. His head is in, is not in it, but he's a great guy and a good skier. And, you know, it was like, so I was prepared to see something less than I saw. Did, did you hear all that? And what did you think? No, I didn't hear any of that. <laughs> I didn't hear any of that. Well, it was, was, it was striking just because of what then happened right after yeah. they said that yeah what is your ritual as you watch him race <laughs> well i guess after after he was in after he injured his knee and that is a pretty serious injury um then that because before that i would say okay you know, speed, the speed events are scary to me. It's like, I was never comfortable with speed events. And, and I thought, but he's got a good head on his shoulders. He's a good athlete. He's strong. He's in great, great condition. He can handle it. And then he got hurt. And once he got hurt, 
then then it changes things you know it's like so then then it's like you know i try and be positive again and just say he's really smart he's a great skier he's really talented he knows what he's doing and but um the ritual that i've added is um i i talk to the angels <laughs> i say you know okay angels ryan is racing today you know please watch out for him please protect them please keep get them help them get down safely and hmm. and uh so that's that's my ritual ryan um raced in the 2018 olympics in pyeongchang yeah. and you wrote him a letter just before those olympics what did you tell him in that letter what i told him was first of all how proud i was of him as the the human being that he's grown up to be and uh and then i told him that um you know i really was hoping that he would enjoy the experience it's quite an honor to be chosen to be on the olympic team there's so few people that make the olympic team and that's an honor in itself and then i told him um you know i truly believe that there were lots of the guys on that on on uh in the, at the olympics that were capable of winning winning medals um and even even coming in first and i said including you i want you to i truly believe that he was at that point in his life he was even capable of winning at the olympics and uh and um you know but then i at the end i was saying you know like enjoy the experience have fun with it and and i uh, can't wait to talk to you about your experience and compare with what my experience was at the olympics and um but i i reminded him to uh concentrate on the skills and let the results take care of themselves and and basically it's not about the results it's about the process that you're going through and you just you know go out and do the best job that you can do and that's all you can ask of yourself so that was my message to him did you write him a letter before this olympics I did, but I never got it to him because he didn't come home. And uh, so I, I did, I, I wrote one because I, I wanted to get it out. But then I've been so busy that um, for me to text it would take me quite a while just to get the text done. And <laughs> Your then thumbs so aren't thought, that quick. <laughs> yeah, no. So then, then I thought, well, maybe I can email it. But it's like things just flew by. It was like, so, so no, I, I didn't get it to him, but. Well, what did that letter say for this Olympics? A lot Olympics? of it was the same sort of message, um, but part of it was that this Olympics will be a different experience for you because the circumstances have changed. You know, like one of the things that that I knew about this Olympics is that, um, especially after last year, that um, NBC was focusing on him as a potential medalist and that they wanted to to get his story out and so in the spring like in april they came to richmond to the ski area and spent the whole day with him to show him like who he was and what his interests were and where he where he grew up skiing at cochran's and um and so that did air on nbc that the footage that they had but I said that it, it's um, it's going to be 
so that piece of it will be a different experience that, um, you know, like probably he could feel more pressure that I was hoping he wouldn't, but, but that he could feel more pressure because of that. And the media attention, there's just so much media attention. And, and the fact that I think it was when they were here in April, somebody, one of the, the reporters said, uh, do you realize it's been 50 years since you won your medal? And I was going, no, actually I hadn't even thought of that, you know? So, so then I looked to Ryan and, and I said, Ryan, no pressure, <laughs> you know? but you know, so I think just the whole story of his, his injury coming back from that 50 years since I won a medal, the, the whole thing together was um, just something that, that uh it's quite a story it's really quite a story what was the actual date of your gold medal in japan my in it was in sapporo japan so it was japan so very similar to china where it it was um february 12th there but it was february 11th here in the states well let's turn back the clock to when you did win the gold medal um take us back to the start gate what is it like to be an Olympian in the start gate for what was it like for you? Well, for me, I, I drew number one and that was my favorite number to draw. I, I always wanted to go number one because I, I felt like when I was the first one out of the gate that that I wasn't influenced by anybody else. It's like I had studied the course. I knew what it was like. I knew how I wanted to run it. And uh and I felt like that was always my best was when I was number one. So, so the night before, like after the drawing, um, my coach called me to let me know that I'd drawn number one because he knew I'd be pretty excited about that. And so when I, after the first run, I, I did have a little bit of trouble getting out of the start because I'm short. And the, the wand was a little bit high and it was angled back a little bit. Um, so it was, it was, that was made it a little more difficult. But the other thing was that the clock, it, it's like, um, I didn't, I didn't, I hadn't figured out the clock. It, it was like this white round clock with one black mark on it. And, um, and I couldn't figure out what it was doing. So, so um the first run it it like it beeped and i thought it was going to start beeping down going beep 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 and on the last the higher beep we were supposed to go but it just beeped and then there was nothing and i was going holy cow am i supposed to go what am i supposed to do and so i left and then between the start and the first gate I had these thoughts just flash through my mind. I was going, I knew there was a rule on the book that said you have to leave one second either side of go because they were still not, we weren't that far removed from hand timing. And then, um, and that if we were outside of that one second on either side of go, that we were, would be disqualified. But then I, I also knew that my time would be accurate that it was electric timing that I started the clock. And, and when I went through the finish, I would I'd finish it. But I also thought, I wonder if I should, I knew I blew it to start that early. And so I thought, 
you know, should I stop and, and get a restart? And I thought, no, if I stop, they wouldn't give me a restart. So all those thoughts flashed through my mind before I get to the first gate. And by the time I was at the first gate, I was on the course, I was like focused in and, and I was just running the, the race that I wanted to race. But but it was like, had a had a hard time. And then the second run, I had trouble getting out of the start. It's like, I, I um, was a little bit too close to the wand. And when I sat back to try and lunge forward then, when I, when I was going back, my knees popped open the, the, the um, start wand. And so I knew again that, that I had like blown the start a little bit. And, um, but, but as it turned out, you know, I skied well enough that I won the first run by, by three hundredths of a second and lost the second run by a hundredth. But overall I won by two hundredths of a second. So these little hesitations you're describing in the start gate are extremely consequential if you're doing it wrong. Yeah. 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 But you, then you have to put it out of your mind and you just go and you just run the, the course the way you think you should. And, and cause we'd memorize the course. I knew the course from top to bottom and, and, uh, knew how I wanted to run it, where I wanted to set up, where I, how I wanted to go over the, the bumps and everything. And and so that's what I was focusing on was my execution of it once I was on the course. What did it feel like to win the gold medal? I think it was surreal. I think that, you know, in, in some respects, it surprised me the way I felt because when I went through the finish and I realized I had won, then um, it was like, almost like I was going, is this all there is, you know? I thought it would be just flying high. I think I'm more excited for Ryan's medal at the Olympics than I was for mine. It, it's because, and then I tried to figure it out. Why did I feel that way? Why did I feel like it was a letdown? Because, and I, I thought, you know, watching my kids as they get closer and closer to Christmas, they would get so excited. They get so pumped up, you know, like after Thanksgiving, it's like they start talking about what, what they wanted for Christmas and, and then uh, thinking that Santa was coming. And, and uh, so they just get so excited, so excited. And then um, Christmas would get there. And, and once they got through their presents and stuff, then it was like kind of this letdown. And that's what I compare it to is like, I achieved a dream that I'd had ever since I was a little girl and, and uh, you know, to make, to achieve that, then, then I, I just felt like, wow, is this all there is, you know? So that surprised me. That really surprised me that, that that's how I felt. Cause I thought I'd be on cloud nine and just my feet wouldn't touch the, the earth for, for months, but it felt different. How did winning a gold medal change your life for better or worse? I think it really, it changed it for better in a lot of ways that um, I was, I was really, really shy. I was confident as a ski racer, um, but where I became not confident was if I had to get up on the podium, I did not like being the center of attention. So 
um, one of the things that I looked at, I really truly believe that if you're finishing in the top 10 in any race, that you have the skills to be able to win. So I went back and looked at my results over the years. And um, at the World Cup level, I wanted to see how many times I'd come in the, the, the um, top 10. And so I actually, I had come in the top 10 over 40 times, but I'd only won three World Cup races. I'd been on the podium 18 times, but I'd only won three World Cup races. And so in my mind, I'm going, those 40, 40 top 10s were potential wins for me. And I really think subconsciously, my subconscious mind was going, no, 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 don't, don't. You, you know, come in second, come in third, come in top 10. It's like, it, it's like, you don't have to, you don't have to win because, um, you don't like that attention that goes along with winning. And so I wish I had known that back when I was racing, because if you had asked me, did I want to win? I would have said, absolutely. But, but I think that um, subconsciously, that was very strong that I didn't really want to be the, the center of attention. And I do remember one year, I had come in second in both the slalom and GS at the first World Cup races that year. And so that put me in first place. I think I was tied for first. And I do remember a reporter asking me whether or not, you know, how that felt. And I never told them the answer that popped in my head. But the answer that popped in my head was, I can't wait until next weekend, because I knew I wouldn't be in the lead. I think there was a downhill. And, and I, you know, I was afraid of downhill. I did not, even though I did it at first, I didn't like it. And so I was going, well, I can't wait for next weekend. And my scenario that I would have loved would have been to hang in tight, close throughout the, the whole season. And then when I get to the, the end of the season to pop in a real top race and pull ahead and win the World Cup. But I mean, it didn't happen that way. You retired from racing at age 23. Um, why yeah. did you retire so young? Part of it was like my dad had become the head coach for the US key team. And that was that was actually difficult. I thought it was going to be great. He's such a great coach that I thought it would be really good for the team. But I found that at least on the women's side, that I found that there were some key components that um, that ended up really it became divisive. I felt like they other skiers on the team didn't feel like that was that was something that would be um they they just they they didn't trust that my dad could coach all of us including my brother and my sisters and myself so i think there were factions on the team that felt like they they were worried that dad would play favorites and he wasn't that kind of a coach he did not play favorites. He was there for everybody. But um, I think they struggled with that. And as a result, it wasn't really a very good experience for my dad. And it wasn't a good experience for the family. You know, it just there was a lot of divisiveness. And and um, and my mom had a nervous breakdown. And so he had to fly back to the States. And when he did that, um, the administration had changed at the ski team and they told him that that he couldn't go back and coach the team 
that he could eventually he did get permission to go back and coach his kids, but nobody else. Hmm. And so it, it really, it was kind of a tough year. And I just felt, I felt like at that point that the U S ski team had had enough of the Cochran's. So my older sister, my brother and I all retired that year. Really? Yeah. What did your parents teach you about skiing that obviously produced the, some remarkable results? You know, there's something that we call the Cochrane Way, and it's a quote from a, a, a book that my dad wrote. And in it, it was like what he was hoping that we'd gain from skiing and ski racing. And in it, he, he said, first of all, he was hoping that um, we would experience skiing that is just a heck of a lot of fun. Those were his words. And then, then he said, but he also wanted us to learn some life lessons. He wanted us to realize that in order to do well at something, to get better at something, you really had to work hard at it and put effort into it. And he felt that it was, um, it, it, it took a lot of, of um, not only the hard work, but paying attention to details and, uh, and putting the effort in to, to get yourself better. And, but he also said, but he hoped that we would realize from competition that there was a lot to be gained just from the competition, that it wasn't about the results, that it was about, uh, about putting your best effort into it and, and seeing yourself getting better and better uh, about what you were doing. And that it could be a lot of fun in competition, even if you didn't win. And so I feel like that's what I took away from it was, you know, like as long as I put my best effort into it and, uh, you know, enjoyed what I was doing and, and really, I mean, I just love the feeling of, of being able to carve, you know, making a really nice carved turn just feels so good even to this day. So, um, I mean, that's kind of what I, what I took away from it. We're talking in the middle of Ryan's Olympic experience. He has more races to go. What would, what's your advice to him to finish out this Olympics? You know, it, it's like, um, enjoy the experience. It, it's like, no matter, no matter, you just do your best. That's all you can ask of yourself is to do your best and then enjoy it. Have fun. Enjoy it. You know, it, it's um, China. I'll never make it to China, <laughs> you know, so he has that experience of experiencing what a different country like that is like. And uh, and and just, you know, meeting meeting the the people that all around that are putting on these Olympics and, and the whole experience of, of what he's doing. So basically just have fun with it, you know? Well, Barbara Ann Cochran, congratulations again on your son's amazing accomplishments on the 50th anniversary of your amazing accomplishment. Yeah. And thanks so much for joining us on the Vermont Conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. That does it for this Vermont Conversation. You can hear this and all programs at vtdigger.org slash Vermont Conversation. I'm David Goodman. Thanks so much for listening.